Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. So today on the Be Your Own Boss podcast, I am delighted to have probably the most famous influencer on LinkedIn, Mike Winnett. Mike, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. Who is Mike? Um, I am the anti-oleg, that's what people say. So um, I am a character on LinkedIn. I started on LinkedIn like four years ago um, with my old name when I had my own business, uh, which I subsequently sold. And since then, I've kind of used Mike Winnett to vent out what I think is wrong with sort of online influencers and social media influencers and what's wrong with the PC gone mad world of business, really. Fantastic. And, you know, there is a fair chunk of stuff to attack here. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be an interesting episode for you all. So, Mike, if we if we start by setting the scene, tell us a bit about your previous business. Um, so a previous business was like an online training business. People... Um, would use e-learning and online training and work. We thought it was rubbish, really. We thought e-learning was shit. So we made uh, what we would find useful if we had to take the content. So it was like short animated explainer video type uh, training modules that you could use on your mobile. Really, really short in length. Um, And we just thought if people learn in one particular way at home, I don't know why work and businesses would make you learn in a different way at work. So if you're doing a time management course, and you're going to put all stuff through it, why would you make it a death by PowerPoint three-hour course? It kind of goes against the whole principle of the course in the first place. So we thought if we wanted to do anything at home, whether it be set your Sky Digital box up or whether it wanted to be, I don't know, cook something, whatever it might be, or a recipe, you'd go on YouTube and you'd watch it and you'd teach yourself how to do it in two, three minutes. So we thought, why don't we just make e-learning like that? So we made a few courses. It kind of resonated with a lot of people. And it took off from there, really. It kind of well, snowballed. It was like a whirlwind two and a half years. Fantastic. Uh, and in terms of the business itself, so yeah. just to set the scene um, for the listeners to understand the scale of this business, um, can you share some of the numbers with us? Yeah, well, so there was four of us that started up, uh, four friends uh, based in Warrington. So we set the business up. And we by the end of year one, we had 80 customers. Um, by the end of year two, we had like 200 customers. And... We were well on the way to getting 400 customers by end of year three, and then we were purchased uh, by an American company. But we went from just us four doing every single task in the business to 21 staff after two and a half years. But um, numbers-wise, it was it grew rapidly. The number of courses that we had grew weekly. We had all different resources, and we sold for like multiple millions. It was like a multiple million pound deal. Fantastic. And it's fair to say there was a little bit of faking it to make it along the way. Um, yeah, so a lot of the stuff um, was through necessity. So a lot of our USPs within that business was uh, we had to. It was more necessity. Uh, so we used to release new content every week, but the reason why we release new content every week is because we were making that content as we went along. So... Uh, one in one regard it was kind of a strength of our business um, if something new happens so when perfect example of this is when mobile phone laws changed for uh, using your mobile while in your car we could the law changed we knew the law was going to change so we could create that content and make that course um, advising staff or drivers or fleet drivers or whatever it might be haulage companies about the increased fine or the increased points on your license 
we could churn that out within one week and then we could use that as a way of attracting new customers. Sure. Because we would be then the only e-learning or training company that would make this available to our customers. But also, we could do it quickly. So while other companies were selling, here are 300 courses on, uh, I don't know, like food hygiene or IT skills, we could say, here are real life skills that are practical, that everybody mm. needs to know, because everyone drives to work. But also also very topical, you're able to adapt with the market. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. It's, it's funny, um, because a lot of the things that we did, we didn't do it thinking, this is a good idea, or we didn't follow anybody else's rules. It kind of, a lot of the things happened naturally. Sure. And um, it was it was our biggest strength, really, was the fact that that is topical. So we could then do some real good marketing around it. We could put it out. Um, we knew that we could target specific markets with this content. So that example there with the mobile phones, on one hand, you're thinking, well, let's target haulage companies or companies with fleet. fleet. But then the bigger picture is there, well, how many people drive to work? Now, if you're an FD and you work in whatever company it might be, but if you get caught on your phone and you then get six points in license and you use your, lose your license, that affects that whole business. So yes. this is a course that affects every member of staff where I think we were probably slightly better at that than other companies out there. And I think our content was slightly better. And that's all it took, really. It was to just be a, a little bit better than everybody else and deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on. And that was probably our biggest strength for our biggest USP. Sure. So... I appreciate there's probably some confidentiality around this, so mm-hmm. feel free to only say what you can. I won't drill too hard. Okay. Um, but something that will be good for the listeners, those who are actually already running a business and potentially looking at exit, what, what tips would you give them based on the exit process? Um, what would you do differently? And what did you wish you knew beforehand? It's a funny one, really. So when we made the business with the intention to sell, and it was always a three-year plan, and as crazy as this sound, and I don't want this to sound like... Um, what would you call it, like woo-woo type sure. shit. It was like, we set ourselves that we wanted to sell the business for X amount of pounds on X amount of date, whichever one came first. But we had an exit date in mind, but that was from day dot. That was, mm. so we worked backwards from that. So I would always say my biggest advice would be work backwards, have a clear defined goal on what you want to achieve. And then it makes the decisions up to that point easier. So if we were thinking about pricing, I would say, Right, if we want to, and these are just numbers I'm plucking out the sure. air, by the way. So if I wanted to sell a business for 10 million pounds, you can sell one product for 10 million pounds, or you can sell 10 products for a million pounds each. Like The numbers are, are easy to work yes. out, but I, it's amazing how many people don't know that bit or don't even consider that part of the business. So that was the first thing. But also, it made decisions um, easier for us in terms of management structure, how we structured the staff and stuff, because we thought we know we're selling this business in three years' time, so... If we get bought out and we have to do a one-year workout or a two-year workout, we don't physically want to do that workout, so we would need to replace ourselves in the business, if that makes sense. So it made those types of decisions better, but we got someone in to kind of like, um, what would you call it, run through your business, uh, have a look at your business and see what holes and what gaps are in the business if we wanted to sell. So we wanted to make ourselves... Um, as ready for sale as possible. We did that about 12 months before the actual sale date. And it was a company um, that would sell your business voice. They'd come in, they'd look at your company, they'd market your company, then they'd go and open their little black sure. book. You probably know yeah, one of the agents. Yeah. Exactly. And they want to charge you, say, £7,000 a month and ongoing support and £40,000 set it up. We basically like spoke to them, didn't like what they wanted to say and just did it all ourselves. So with sure. zero experience, we went and found it. But 
our clever thing that we did, or the most clever thing that we did was we specifically thought about who could possibly buy our business in the future. But we were thinking about that in the first six months, the first 12 months. And we proactively partnered with some of those companies to begin with. But also, and this is the smart bit, well, I would say it was smart. We proactively attacked other potential buyers um, client base. So we had a two pronged attack or a dual strategy, which was we will try and partner some people that we think could buy us out and it would benefit their business or someone might buy us out because we were attacking their client base so hard that they would want to take us out of the game and then so to protect their business. Sure. So it was like a dual strategy and it was that that basically led to the sale. Um, it was someone came to us and said, you're now working with one of our biggest competitors. We want to. We want your content in the USA. Fantastic. Um, can we have exclusivity? The answer was no. The reason being is because we already partner XYZ in America, so you, you can't have exclusivity. So we are going to continue. You can work with us on a 50-50 basis or as a, as a partner, but you can't have exclusivity. And then that led them to then say, well, how do we have exclusivity on your content? And then that led to a bigger conversation, and it was it was a whirlwind from that conversation. So when we sold, and had uh, the money in the bank was less than thirty five days. Wow, wow! And that, that was really an acquisition of IP for them. It was mm-hmm. an acquisition of the courses. Um, what about technology? Was there much underlying technology they bought? No, again, that? again, one of the smart things that we did when we first set up was we didn't want to get. Um, we wanted to create content that could work on any any technology, so that made uh, partnerships really easy. Sure. So we made the content, it can sit in any machine. And again, that was what made us attractive to buy. Um, if we've got a product that might make you £10,000 a year or £20,000 a year or £30,000 a year, and it sits in your product, which is £100,000 a year, it's an easy purchase for your business to make. Yes. So you're now thinking, well, you can sell your £100,000 product to our existing client base, or you can sell our ten, twenty, thirty thousand pounds product to your existing client base. Sure. So again, that was part of the strategy for for sale as well fantastic so the sale happened yep um any war stories from the negotiations uh not really well i say not really there was a few so during the sales process we thought it was going to complete by a certain date and then one of their competitors had just announced an acquisition of a competitor of ours okay so that then put the sale back by 24 hours and then they had their annual meeting so it was bought by a company that was listed on the nasdaq sure um, and then they couldn't announce that until the Monday. So it was kind of like four days of limbo where we thought we were going to get transferred the money. And, and obviously, it was like twitchy bum time, you thought, or squeaky bum time. Yep. Isn't it? Um, we thought... It happens on every transaction in some way, shape or form, doesn't it? Yeah, but then you're thinking, hang about, if, we, if they pulled the wool over our eyes, yep. we've let these people come in, they've like, reviewed all our business, we've shown them how we've managed to do this. They've got the USB keys, yeah. Yeah, and they know everything. They've mm. literally pulled your business apart for six weeks, five, yep. six weeks, and then um, they could now pull the plug. They know every secret and every like decision you've made to get to that position. They can throw that money that they were going to give to you at it and they could probably surpass you in half the sure. time or quarter the time. So, yeah, so that was probably the most stressful, like maybe two, three days of the whole process. Sure. And also the fact that you weren't sure it's real, even though we had planned for something to happen. And um, I've mentioned this before previously, and obviously we worked hard and we always thought it could happen. And you, you do have to have that belief that these things can happen. But when it is actually happening to you, 
Um, you then suddenly have doubts and you think it is almost too good to be true. You know, it's like winning the lottery. It was the equivalent of winning the lottery mm. in terms of like the money, like the numbers involved. But then you're relying on someone else to press that button and transfer that funds. And yes. then it is stuck in cyberspace for two hours while you're all sat there waiting for the funds to transfer to your solicitor and then your bank account. So it was a pretty nerve wracking couple of days. But then going to bed that night thinking tomorrow I might wake up a millionaire or or not. Or it mm. could be the worst thing that we've ever done. We've let people in and the whole business could just turn to shit. And yeah, so there that's probably like the, the worst or the biggest war story from it was just how stressful that process was from them coming in reviewing the business to the money being transferred. Yes. I mean, I, I actually know of somebody who had, a, a again, a multi-million transaction and the money got lost between the banks. Unbelievable, yeah. but these things do happen. Yeah, and you yeah, solic- your solicitor will make sure that it sits in his account for a couple of days. Yeah, so he and gets it, gets, it gets sorted out in the end, but yeah. the the time while you're waiting for that transfer is horrific. Yeah. Um, okay, so money's in the bank, just to reassure the listeners, money's in the bank, yeah, deal's yeah. been done. Um you start posting a bit more on LinkedIn. Well, it's funny. A lot of people ask me about the LinkedIn thing. So the voice that I use on LinkedIn now is pretty much the same voice that I used to use when I was doing the sales and had my own business. Sure. There's not much difference at all. It's just purely the name. And the name change was... There's a, a story... The official story between the name changes, because I'm such a bad boss and I'm a horrible person, I've got um, a long-suffering PA... I asked my PA to change my name to Mike Winner because uh, I'm a super successful online personality like a lot of these social media gurus are. Um, so I want to be Mike Winner. And then she deliberately put Mike Winnit because Winnit obviously up north means something different to yeah. than it means down south. And I can't officially change my name for 12 months so I'm stuck now <laughs> being a Winnit rather than a Excellent. winner. So it's there's a fine line between being a Winnit and a winner. That was, that was kind of like the, the story behind it. But the, the real story behind it was... Um, I was conscious that when we were purchased, we're, um, there's a number of things that you agree to and you agree not to talk about, not to say, not to do, and not how to act, mm-hmm. and uh, it could damage the brand and stuff, and there's financial penalties. So I, it was a decision made out of the fact that I didn't want to necessarily offend anyone, especially because how Americans conduct themselves in business and how they portray themselves online is a little bit different. Like Their sense of humour is different anyway. They don't get irony and that kind of thing I mean look what they did to the office yeah. the UK office and the US office completely different aren't they so because it was an American company that we were dealing with I noticed that um, people from that company that had purchased us were no longer engaging with the content like they would when they were trying to buy their business and stuff so I just thought you know what for the sake of potentially pissing someone off and costing myself a lot of money I just changed my surname anyway and then because I I wasn't doing anything. Uh, I was close to just closing down LinkedIn. Anyway, I don't have any other social media in my own name. I was going to completely finish it, but I, I just thought I'd keep it open. And I'd, I'd actually built up a decent kind of crowd. And I thought if ever I go back into that sector again, I didn't want to start from scratch. Sure. So I kind of just kept the profile warm, to be honest. But then it, it did leave it um, open for me to kind of pick holes in things that I thought were wrong with business in general, rather than specifically learning and development, which was the sector that I used to work sure. in, if that makes sense. Yes, so you had this opportunity, you you were relatively de-risked, because you changed your name, it yeah. wasn't you. Yeah. Um, you had the opportunity to have some fun on there, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's safe to say that you are having fun and it's going viral. Um, in terms of 
how you've cracked the algorithm because you clearly have whether you know it or not yeah um you know you're, you can you can put a post and you'll get likes pretty much instantly was this just a case of watching and learning from some others or how, how did you do that no it, this is one thing i can't quite put my finger on all i've been and ironically I'm going to say all I've been is myself, but mm. then I've done it through a persona that I've created that isn't myself, sure. which is like the the irony about it is um, I have not done what a lot of these people are doing. Um, and the biggest thing that I'm having a problem with is, is the pods at the moment. It's sure. like you're trying to promote yourself as being authentic and genuine content and people engage with it. But if you're in an engagement pod that all, all promote each other's content, you're artificially promoting that content. Yes. So it, that's like the it's the biggest joke ever isn't it really oh look we're authentic and our content's gone viral but it's only gone viral in your community because you've constructed that to happen yes. anyway so in a roundabout way by attacking that group of people because i think more people are aware of what's going on there but yeah it wasn't a deliberate thing i didn't look and copy anyone the only thing i copied was things that i thought were funny that people did so when people call themselves the number one in whatever fields yes. So as a piss take, I said, I am the number one demotivational speaker, which then obviously um, got the backup of some people. How can you call yourself number one? But, but that's that's the point. It's like, would you just change your, you just change your bio? And then um, I would end on agree. Now, I end on agree as a joke because that was what I noticed a lot of the influencers were using to yes. drive engagement. So it's like, well, if you disagree, you'll make a comment. If you agree, you'll make a comment. Well, I'll double space my posts yes so was, that's one that i learned just through observation yeah so it's like i'll double so it's like there's other things on there that i don't do which obviously must work otherwise people wouldn't do them so putting an emoji at the end of each line that probably means that you rank better in you don't use images now because i know if you use an image it throttles you so there's yep. things i've learned through experience but but to be honest and this is probably the reason why my post people engage my post more than others is i'm not actually selling you anything Mm. There's no, there, there is no end game, and this is one thing that obviously you asked me before we spoke on here. But what is the end game? Up until about three weeks ago, there literally was no end game. It, th there was nothing, so I've never been selling anything. But that was the same as when we we had the business with the e-learning. I found more people asked me what I did from just taking the piss out of people and just being myself. Sure. And eventually, be like, so what do you do? People direct message me, rather than if I said hey, great, I've got a new course coming out today and the only 10 likes I got on that post were 10 people that work in the company. Yes. Which um, which happens a lot if you look at some people's posts on there. So it's kind of happened by accident. And I just found if you're not selling anything, you're just kind of being real and you're making observations about that community, the people that it'll resonate with will engage with your content. And that's genuine engagement, by the way, rather than artificial yes. promoted pod enhanced so we're going to go a couple of ways with this, if that's okay. Cool. Um, the first one is we're going to pull out very specifically the end game. What, what is the end game for Mike McGann, Mike Winnett? Um, so now, and I've touched on this previously, we were writing a book called The Contrepreneur. Yeah. And we wanted to get that book published, and it was going to be kind of like what's wrong with LinkedIn and what's wrong with business in the voice of Mike Winnett and... Um, we thought it'd be funny, but then we suddenly realised that you might you you might have a few people that will like your post. Five hundred people like your post on LinkedIn. It's a big difference asking for ten pound off them to buy yes. a book from you. So in reality, I'm not stupid enough for um, my ego's not 
that big that I think, oh, well, every single person that views my content, because I know it's probably 60, 70% of people are viewing it and not liking that content, you know, but it, so I realised there's going to be no money in that book and also the joke wears thin and there's no point in singling out specific people. Sure. So I uh, wasn't really sure what we were going to do. We were investing in a few different things through um, off the back of the sale anyway, like UK property and stuff like that, um, a little bit in crypto and then we just thought we're going to go down south. We're going to go to the Success Resources event, which is, um, if you've never been to one of them things, I would say go, but go um, and buy the cheapest ticket possible. Yes. Purely so you'll understand where I'm coming from. So then we went to this event purely to go um, ask Gary V to write a forward for the book, hoping that he'd refuse, he'd swear, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't give us a forward, but then we were going to use that forward for the book. Um, turns out someone in front of me, after waiting two days, asked the very same question that I was going to ask, um, you can see that video on YouTube uh, when Gary V's in London and I'm stood behind it I was stood behind the, the lady that asked and I, was, I couldn't believe it it was like £2,000 it cost us to be there you know, travel, hotel and stuff and then all that effort to then someone else steal your question you know, probably put a spanner in the works but uh, we then realised that those people that we met and we came into contact with over them two days there seemed to be a huge number of sort of vulnerable is the wrong word but desperate people realizing that they don't want to be in the nine to five grind and entrepreneurs as i call them entrepreneurs yeah. exactly that so and they will pay money to get the next book or to see the next course or see the next speaker talk but having listened to those people talk as in the speakers i felt like they're the same they're just a little bit further along that journey but they're now tricking a more vulnerable mm. or conning a more vulnerable group of people and luckily, and this is kind of where it's a bit a bit strange, so I'm sat there thinking, well, your credentials are nowhere near the level of some of the people that we've worked, like I've previously worked yes. with, or, and I wouldn't think that we should even be on that stage advising how to do this, because mm. does that make sense? Oh, com completely, and unfortunately, it's a scam. I mean, it's, it's why I do what I do, it's why you do what you do. Um, we see this scam, you go back to the... Uh, the original internet marketing days, you probably remember sort of early early 2000s. Yeah. And somebody, you know, somebody who I um, value as a friend and as a business associate said to me about it, and he was saying, oh, should I be investing in this course or this course? And, you know, these marketing experts from America, I think Dan Kennedy and um, is it Jay Abrahams and, uh, you know, the, the older school who were selling, not snake oil, but effectively selling a dream to the next generation to sell the dream yet again. Yeah. And the problem is you, you, you run out of those hungry people. Yeah. And the customers are you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. It's it's become strange now. It's almost like it's the internet, isn't it? And it's, it's social media. But now it's you don't have to actually have been successful in anything. But you can create that online persona or backstory to make it look like you've been successful and then sell that to the next generation that's coming through and they will believe what they see. And so it was it was being sat there that made me think, do you know what? We're on a hide into nothing with the entrepreneur in the sense that it's probably not going to sell anyway. No one wants to read 30,000 words of me taking the mick out of, say, Oleg or any of these people. Sure. Or the the ultra positive backstabbing crew, which by the way you can see that they all get their content from the same place. It's all pretty much written by one person. You can yes. see how it changes because they all change together. 
but so no one wants to really it's funny when I parody a story or you know mm. it, some would argue it's not funny but it's one thing reading a 300 word little piss take of a, a story about how you've hired someone that was ill-equipped for a job sure. and then they've turned into being the best hire ever but are you going to pay £10 to read a book? No. And then when I spoke to publishers, they weren't interested in that unless... When you heard the numbers involved, it was it was a waste of my time, really. Yes. So I, I, couldn't, I really couldn't be bothered writing a book that probably wasn't going to sell. It was more like a vanity project. And then when I had to sit through the Success Resources event and I listened to maybe seven, eight, nine, ten people tell me a different way I could be... I could change my life and become a millionaire in the next three to six months... I just thought, this is the real con. So these are entrepreneurs telling mm. entrepreneurs how to be entrepreneurs. That's where that, that statement came from. I wanted now, instead of just attacking people individually or saying that's bullshit, because I do think that possibly you can become successful in each of these fields if you put time, effort and money into them. I do believe that, but only a small number will do. So I will now use this time that I've got to myself and some of the investments that I've got planned and some of the things that that um, we had planned anyway, I will just document this and then make it available to everyone else. So it kind of legitimized might win it in the sense that you've got, I've, he, I've gone or he's gone from just targeting people for no reason, for just like, for a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke to almost saying, well, I'm not attacking that person. I'm attacking that industry in that sector. Yes. If I am wrong, cool, you will see that I'm wrong. And then I can document that however I can put that in a book, I can put that on a YouTube channel. But there is no end game in the sense of I am going to da da here is you know, buy an entrepreneur's starter kit or you know, there's there's nothing in it for me in terms of No a, no book a, sales. Yeah, a yes. big payoff. It's just this is what we're doing. Hopefully we will make our money, and this is where we will make money. Hopefully I'm wrong about affiliate marketing. Mm. And I do make a hundred thousand pound in six months, or I'm wrong about um, the property in Spain, and it does actually make two, three times more than property in the UK. Because if it does, cool, I'll make two, three times more return on my investment than if I'd invest in the UK. So I'm going to make my money just doing the things that I do anyway, which is for myself, invest in different things. Sure, it's just I'm going to document that for other people. So, so, so most people um, tend to logically understand that business is hard work. That they have to work for it. There's no such thing as a free lunch, etc., etc. All all these cliches, but yeah. we know. However, emotionally, they tend to be driven towards get rich quick. Um, would you mind sharing some of the get rich quick schemes you've been involved in so far, in terms of investing to see how it pans out and what the results have been so far? Yeah. So crypto was a big one. So last year we just did cryptocurrency investing in Bitcoin. Now anyone that invests in Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, we did Ether as well. That was sure. Another one, we'll know that the arse has fallen out of that market. And so that was one thing. But in the nine weeks that we did that, was it nine weeks? It might have been 15 weeks. It was either nine weeks we made £15,000 or 15 weeks we made £9,000. I can't remember now. But So we did well. And that was like clear profit. Sure. So that worked. But then this time we thought, now the markets fell out of it. Everyone's talking about crypto mining and mining rigs. So we thought, well, we'd invest in the crypto mining rigs. So we've got uh, three rigs running and they are mining Ravencoin at the moment okay. because that's one of the fastest growing coins but again the experience from that is the numbers we were told you'd, you'd, oh, you'd be making £400 per machine per month and this is when the market's at the lowest from experience and we're one month in now we've not put any content about, about this yet 
we are on $218 in mined coins. Uh, that's the total value of the coins we've mined. And that's with three machines in one month. So straight away, we were told it was going to be 1200 um, And we're on 200 wow. So we're about 1000 uh, And we've not even took our electric out yet. Mm. So when we take out the electric as well, and this was a £30,000 investment. Yeah. So we've got a long way to go to break even on that. So You just done better putting it in that west. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that was something. But then we sold the dream. So, but you see these people online now mm. selling on Instagram, become a crypto millionaire, invest in this and, and do that. So that's the first one we've done. The property stuff we've, in the UK, we've not had a property that's made anywhere near the numbers or the yields guaranteed. Sure. And, um, so that's not going as well yet. Um, and also in Spain, that's where I'm going next week to sort that property out. So that's we've completed on that. Um, the numbers that we were promised that it would rent out for while we were going through the buying process, we've now been told to maybe reduce those weekly rentals by 150 to 200 euros a week. Okay. So straight away they're backtracking. Transforms the maths. But now yeah. they've had the now they've had the money. Mm. So so far we're, we're on zero out of three, if I'm honest, in terms of genuine um, what what we were expected to get. So they're the three that we've done so far, and then we're going to do the affiliate marketing. We're going to do the YouTube channel. We're going to do. Um, some online courses but we're going to do online courses about the products that we're talking about as well yes. but we're going to put them out um where a sort of entrepreneur slash contrepreneur would put their online courses so we'll put these on the site so the public can buy them so we will do an intro to crypto course but not because we want to sell an intro to crypto course we want to see if we pick the most popular topics and we put them in the most popular places how many do you sell because there's so many entrepreneurs telling you you can make X amount of passive income on an ebook. Yes. On a course. So we're just basically going to do all these all these sort of revenue streams that they're promising and actually throw money at it, throw time, throw effort at it and do them properly. And then we'll report back and say, look, no, that online course won't make you £100,000 in three months. It's actually made us £3,000 in six months. So that's the that's the process that we're going. Fantastic. And I think it's a process that's needed. We're, we're on the same journey with this. Yeah, yeah. It's um you know, it is scandalous and I th I think we're gonna dive to rapid fire questions. Okay. And the first rapid fire question I'm gonna tie in really nicely with what we just discussed before. With your LinkedIn algorithm hacking, however you've done it, you know, you you've managed to crack the code and get a few hundred likes, a few hundred comments per post. If you were to be selling snake oil, what snake oil would you like to be selling? It's, do you know what? It's, someone actually said to me the other day, why don't you sell a LinkedIn course? Yeah. But there's so many people selling that thing. But I find it funny. A lot of the people selling that get nowhere near the numbers. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. That would be the easiest one. Mm. But I, I, I can't be asked. <laughs> I can't be asked. And yes. also, it's not... Here's the secret. Just post content that's kind of resonates with a number of, uh, the right number of people and and say what you really think. Don't try and be everything to everyone because you end up being nothing to anyone. anyone? That's it. No, that's it. Yes. Yeah, so... It's just too many people think, well, I don't want to... You've got you've got to stand for something. This is the best example I can give. If you sell, like, fuck Trump T-shirts, mm. you will appeal to a market that's very clear. If you sell, I hate Trump T-shirts, you'll appeal. If you sell, I love Trump T-shirts, you'll sell. There's a market for, all, like, all these things. But if you sell, we've not really got an opinion on Donald Trump, who's going to buy that T-shirt? Yes. Like, no one buys that. I mean, the real smart person... But it's a corporate voice, of course. Exactly. Yes. But the the real smart person would probably sell both. Mm. I love Trump and I hate Trump. And that's why you've got these big companies that actually own two, three car brands. Or yes. Four. It's the illusion of choice, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know. So the next one, what's one thing that people don't know about you? 
Um, now you possibly shared a bit of that today already, but a lot. Of, well, maybe some. Like I was born in Germany. I lived in Germany for seven years. That's, okay. That's one thing that a lot of people don't don't know. I, I certainly didn't. Yeah. So there you fantastic. Go. If you were to choose a mastermind group, yeah, and invite three other people, who would you invite? Dead or alive? Fictional? Non-fictional? Oh, good question. Um. No idea. It's quick fire as well, this, isn't it? So it is. I'll have to That's okay. It's quick. Fire. It's designed to put you on the spot. Three people that um might win it. I'll, I'll definitely invite him. Yeah. Uh, no, I would invite Dixie Dean. Played for Everton. Yes. Yeah. Sixty goals in a season. Um. Tupac. That's okay. Tupac. Uh, he was a rapper. If anyone's doesn't know who he is. And um. Mm, last one. No, just, just, just them two. Okay. So you'd, you'd have one empty space. Yeah. I'm sure Mike Winnie can come along, or yeah. Oleg. Oleg, yeah. Oh, well, if he's if he's real, Oleg can come along. But he's yes. probably too busy hiring, isn't if he? I could, if I could pronounce his surname, I'd say it. Um, next question. What's the best purchase that you've made recently for less than 50 quid over the last six months? Um, Amazon Alexa. Okay. Yeah, that, I only got one of them a few weeks ago. I've, I've got and one. And does it work for you? Yeah, it's good. Because so, mine just um, interrupts conversations at the most random moments. Oh, does it? Yeah. Uh, so I've got an Alexa in the kitchen, which is it's all right for music and stuff like that. And then I've got one in the uh, one in the bedroom as well. Sure. So it's in the morning, it tells me what I need to be doing. And it's actually quite good. It's good just for playing music, I suppose. But um, it's worrying, isn't it? Because it obviously listens into you. It does. It does. Next one. Books. What's the book that you've recommended the most to other people? I always say the same one, but and it's it's a bit basic. But the Rules of Wealth by Richard Templer, that book I have had since two. I must have had it nine years, ten years, and I got given it as a present actually uh, from a mum. And I read that book every year, but just different parts. It's, there's a new version of it now, but I've got the old version. So it's a hundred rules. It's understanding where you are. Uh, where you want to go, sort of in savings, investments, but they're real basic rules. But I think a lot of people don't think of them. But it's, sure. there's one thing reading the book, it's another thing putting the rules in place. So you kind of read the book to where you're at at this stage. Mm. So you might read it to say rule 13, and then you've got to stop because you haven't done, you can't do like 14, yes, 15, yeah. 16. So that is a book that I read over again. And that was the book I was reading when we sold the business. Okay. But I could only read it up to a certain point because I didn't have money then to invest in. Sure. But there's that book, and there's also a book, I can't remember who it's by now, but it's called The Millionaire Teacher, and it's by a teacher, school teacher, okay. that um, is invested, and he's a millionaire now, but he's, he's become a millionaire on something like $35,000 a year salary. Fantastic. But, but he invested early enough, and... So another similar book like that, it's Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read that one. Again, it's about how a, you could be living next door to a millionaire and never know. Well, that... that that's what I I like that stuff but that doesn't sell and that's not sexy and like I've said this before if I told you how you could become a millionaire in, a guaranteed millionaire in 30 years most people don't want to buy that course or listen to that talk but if I can tell you how you can become a millionaire in four hours four hours a week within six months yes. you would pay me money to find out I'll pay you £997 it always ends on a 7 it does week. doesn't it yeah um, and unfortunately again that that's what we're what we're trying to fight against the last question I'll ask you what's the one bit of advice any advice at all in your life that you wish you were given? That I wish I was given? 
but you had to learn for yourself rather than being told? Do you know what? I think it would be about university. I would think, me personally, I wish I was told that you didn't have to go to university. At my school that I went to, you were seen as a failure if you didn't apply to university. But you are literally wasting three, four years of your life getting yourself into debt. Only someone's making money from that. The mm. government are making the money or the student loan company making that money are making money from that. They've made us think that we have to go to university when it is a it literally is a waste. You, the education system is a mess, I think personally, but university especially it is the biggest con going. I honestly do not think there's any point unless obviously you need to be a lawyer or a doctor, unless there's a specific but if you can do a university degree in memes or you could do a university degree in The Simpsons yeah. or whatever it might be, it, it's a joke. You are just getting into debt for what? You're going to end up working in a call centre or in a shop or in the bank like like, said, like most hey, people I do. remember, yeah, we're probably of the same vintage. It was David Beckham studies and media studies. Ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? It is ridiculous. And all you need to do is get a basic understanding, I would say, of like going out there and experiencing things but sales is probably one of the biggest skills and that's just not necessarily selling a product but learn how to sell yourself and because that's worth more than most of these degrees I would say so I would say I wish someone had told me not to bother with university because I think I'd be a lot further along in life if I'd not gone to university but then conversely if I'd not been would I always think you know so I had to go through that experience to sure. sort of realise that experience but yeah I would say university I wouldn't want any of my kids to go to university no no, so I wish someone had said that to me now because I went, did four years at university and I've never used my degree. Okay. But I've got student loan and debt. So yes. I mean, so point. Agree. Yeah, yeah. Agree. Excellent. Mike, where can people find out more about you? So I am Mike Winnett on LinkedIn. You might struggle to find me so you might have to put a space after my name or you might have to put an asterisk after my name because they make it a bit difficult to find me. I'm on Instagram as Mike Winnett. That's W I. N-N-E-T so might win it all one word and we've also just got the YouTube channel now that we're going to start putting content on which is also might win it on YouTube as well Fantastic Mike it's been an absolute pleasure thank you Thanks Thank you for listening to The Carl Reader Show If you enjoyed it please subscribe and tell your friends This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.